I used to get into so many fights when I was in school, when I was a little kid in elementary school. There was this time in elementary school, I would get into a fight every single day. Yeah, I was that kid. The one that, you know, your kids get home and it's like, Mark's hitting me again. Mark pushed me. I was that guy. I mean, so some people that know me now is like, I never would have thought that, right? I hope. Uh, then I got older. I, I learned to control myself. I began to grow as a Christian. And, and when people would try me, when people would, you know, push me or, or talk about me or the your mama jokes would start, I would just walk away. You know, and, and my friends would be like, man, I, I can't believe you didn't punch that guy in the face. I, I can't believe you didn't, like, get back at him. And I'm like, ah, whatever, man. I don't want to get in trouble. And, and you know, he's an idiot or something. I would, I would just walk away. But there was this one time in eighth grade. This kid took me over the top. See, I was in the JV basketball team. It was our homecoming game. The whole school was there. My family was there. All my sisters were there. I have five sisters. I had even invited some friends from church to come to the game and watch me play. The place was packed. We won. So that right there was a miracle because we weren't that good. And not only that, but I actually scored a couple shots. That was an even bigger miracle. All right. I was flying high that day. And then uh, the game was over. You know, we celebrated and stuff. And, and then the varsity team, it was their turn to play. And so I'm sitting in the benches and, and uh, there was this guy that, man, he couldn't hit one basket. And I was going like, brick, you know. And I was, come on, man, we need you. Come on, man, make a basket. And I'm like taunting this guy. And then out of nowhere, I sit down, and this dude in the stands sucker punches me right in the nose. I mean, out of nowhere. I remember that day right now. I'm like, I sit down, I'm following the ball, and then boom, right in the nose. And I start bleeding. I have blood all over my face, blood all over my jersey, Blood all over my brand new shoes that I had convinced my parents to spend way too much money on this pair of shoes. And I lost it. I jumped up. I grabbed the kid. I put him in a headlock and I started punching him in the head. And then out of nowhere, one of my sisters jumps up and says, Mark, no, Mark, stop. I must have looked like a freak. All right. I have blood coming down my face, blood in my mouth. I'm hitting this kid. Blood's falling on the kid's head. I mean, it was a gruesome sight. I have my fist in the air. I'm holding him. And I was like, oh my goodness. I couldn't believe what had happened to me. And the worst part is that my family was there. My sisters were there. My friends from church were there. The whole school was at this homecoming game. You see, this guy punches me out of nowhere, embarrasses me in front of my family and all the people that are important to me. And for weeks, all people talked about was how some guy punched Mark in the nose. They didn't talk about how I won the fight. They talked about how some guy punched me in the nose, how Mark, the guy that always walked away when people were testing him, when people were talking about him, how he lost his cool. They're like, you see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that he, he couldn't keep it up forever. I was defeated. I felt like I had failed. Not only did I fail everyone that was there, I failed God. See, we've all been there. At one point or another in our lives, someone or something has pushed us over the edge. And we lost our cool. And we react in a way that embarrasses us, that embarrasses our family. And the outcome of this is this feeling of depression, this feeling like we failed, this feeling like we've just let everyone down and, and we just eat ourselves up on the inside. Maybe for you it's a bad habit. You were doing so good. And then something happened. There was this instance you backslid and you went back to your old habit. 
to your old sin. Whatever that thing is, I want you to know this, that God created you for so much more than that. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. As we conclude our series, Becoming the Road from Here to There, a series where we've been taking an in-depth look at the book of 1 Peter. And today's message is called Becoming a Winner. Who here wants to become a winner? Who here wants to become a winner? Yes. If you go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8, 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter writes this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You stop there, give me your attention. He's saying, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, wake up, open your eyes. You know what's so interesting here? What we're reading here, Peter's actually sharing with us the same thing that Jesus shared with him in Matthew 26. See, in Jesus' darkest hour, we just celebrated communion the night before Jesus was hung on the cross. That very night, Jesus went with his disciples to pray, and he actually got Peter and two of the other disciples and said, Hey, come with me to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he tells Peter, Watch and pray. And while Jesus was crying out to the Father and saying, Lord, if this is possible, Father, if this is possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus comes back to see Peter, who promised to be there with him. And you know what he was doing? He was sleeping. It's like when I'm driving home from a a long trip, spending a couple days in Disney or a couple days in the Keys, and and we got to make this road trip back home. And I've been on the road for like 15, 20 minutes, and... I look at the rearview mirror, and my three kids are asleep. My two boys are snoring like old men. And I'm like, all right, and I'm driving. And I look to my right, and my wife is there, snoring too. And you know what I do after a while? I just veer off the road so I can hit those bumps. And my wife jumps up, and she's like, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, woman, I need you. I'm here like slapping myself in the face, trying to stay awake, and you're there snoring. I need you. I need you to tickle the back of my neck like I like you to tickle. I I need you to talk to me. I need you to tell me what an awesome husband I am. Just keep me awake. I need your help or something bad is going to happen. Jesus comes back from praying. His eyes are probably still red from crying. The Bible tells us that when he was praying, that sweat like blood flowed from his brow. It was that night, that's the night that we're talking about. We all know the story. He comes back and his buddy, his buddy that five verses before, he tells Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. He's there snoring. And I love the way that Jesus responds to him because this didn't happen one time. This happened two times. It happened three times back to back. And check out what Jesus says. What? It's kind of like when I drove off the road. He's like, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Peter must have felt like one big loser, like a failure. The way that I felt that day, when I didn't just like, you know, act like the bigger guy and I retaliated against that guy. This is what Peter is reminding us of. He's taking us back to that moment when he failed and Jesus told him to be alert, to wake up. The same way that my sister yelled at me that day in the basketball court, Mark, stop. Mark, no. Peter is saying, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, 
walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In the Greek, the word devil, it means adversary. It means enemy. It means accuser. He's out like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why does Peter compare the devil to a lion? Because he's dangerous. Because he's powerful. Because he can hurt us. Have you, have you ever been to Lion Country Safari? All right. It, it's a great park. You should go there with your kids. You should go there with your friends. It's awesome. You get there. You pay admission. They give you this CD. You pop it into your car. All right. I always have to make like a 20-minute pit stop because there's like a bathroom section there. And, and my kids have to go to the bathroom, change diapers. We let them loose, give them snacks. Because once you're in there, you can't get out of the car for like about an hour or two. All right, so, so we get into the first time that I went there. I remember driving into Lion Country Safari and freaking out. All these wild animals just roaming around. I remember having to break because this herd of water buffalo, gigantic water buffalo, walking in front of my car. I remember I never realized how big ostriches were. All right, I've seen them at the zoo, but like from far away, I've seen pictures and their heads stuck in the ground. But it wasn't until this ostrich came and started pecking at the window of my minivan that I'm like, wow, that thing is humongous. I remember the giraffe. I actually have a picture of the giraffe. Check out those giraffes, like just walking right in front of your car. And then you get this place called Lion Country Safari, right? So you want to see the lions. The whole time you're thinking, I want to see the lions. And it's at the end of of the drive and and you get there and there's all these fences these electric fences and you can barely see the lions look at how the lions are they're behind these fences and there's all these signs don't get out of the car the lion will eat you you know when i was driving by the giraffe when i was driving by the giant water buffalo with their giant horns all right there was nothing that said hey a water buffalo is going to eat you hey be careful with the giraffe you know it's going to maul your head no but when we got to the lions it's like don't get out of the car duh But even I could have had a volleyball game next to that where the lions were. Nothing would have happened to me because they were all chained up. They were protecting us. Why? Because they're dangerous. The devil's like a roaring lion. He's dangerous. Another reason Peter compares the devil to to the lion is because the devil's an imitator. Doesn't the Bible say that someone else is a lion? That Jesus is the lion of Judah? The devil's out to deceive us to trick us, to make us believe that he is something that he's not. Think about the last time we had an encounter with him, all right? When, when we were tempted to sin, if we saw what sin actually was, the consequences of sin, a broken home, death, destruction, no one would sin. But check out what the Bible says that he does. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So Peter is telling us that the devil, he's like a roaring lion. He's dangerous. Watch out. He's saying that the devil is an imitator. He's a deceiver. And something else that we know about the lion, the lion is opportunistic. Have you ever watched Animal Planet or the Discovery Channel and seen how lions hunt, how they hide in the savannah? Maybe you haven't seen it, but I'm sure you've seen this. Check out this clip. What are you doing, son? Bouncing. Let an old pro show you how it's done. I told the elephants to forget it, but they can't. Zazu, would you turn around? Yes, sire. The cheetahs are hard Stay up, but low I always to the ground. Cheetahs never prosper. Yeah, okay, say low to the ground, right? Yeah. What's going on? A pouncing lesson. Oh, very good. Pouncing. Pouncing? Oh no, sire, you can't be serious. Oh. This is so humiliating. Try not to make a sound. What are you telling him, Mufasa? Mufasa? Simba? 
<laughs> That's very good. All right, that was pretty cute, right? Well, the roaring lion was messing with my mic, so they just gave me one that was like all jacked up back there. But you know what? Just give me a handheld, please. Look. Hello, check. All right. And so you see the lion hides in the savannah. Whenever, when you see a herd of gazelle and he sees a herd of gazelle, he doesn't attack the most dangerous one. He doesn't attack the biggest one. What does he go for? The babies, the infants. He goes for the weak. He goes for the straggler. He goes for the sick. And that's how our enemy attacks us. How does he sucker punch us in the face? If we go back to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we read what Jesus tells Peter on that night, the night that he fell asleep, when he should have been alert, when he should have been vigilant. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41. So the way that Satan attacks us, it's through temptation. The way that he eats us up is by tempting us, by attacking us when we are weak, by causing us to sin. Satan wants to devour us. He wants to embarrass us. He wants us to feel bad. The devil knows that he can't get Jesus directly. Jesus defeated him on the cross of Calvary. He's lost. He is a loser. The only way for him to get to Jesus is through you and through me. It's by hurting us. You see, temptation is the oldest problem that we've ever had. It's been around since Adam and Eve. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect. They were winners. They were champions. They were the pride and joy of God. And so the devil saw that, and he's like, I want them to lose. And what did he do? He tempted Eve when she was alone, when she was most vulnerable. Sin entered into the world. And after sin enters the life of a person, what happens? There's shame. There's guilt, there's depression, there's embarrassment. When we're living in sin, we don't feel like coming to church. I mean, can you like, I, I don't know, it happens to me sometimes. Like, I, I'm, I'm up at like 7 o'clock, 6.30. Sunday mornings, I got to be here early. And man, I could sleep till like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's so easy. The devil is trying to keep us from spending time with God, from growing with the Lord. So we read our Bibles all the time. Right? But then we start to sin. We start walking away from God. And what happens? We stop reading our Bible. It used to be on our nightstand. We start pushing away, putting other stuff on top of it. We delete the app on our phones, just like Adam and Eve did. After they ate the fruit, what did they do? They hid from God. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. Satan wants us to lose. And the only way that he can make us feel like a loser, it's by tempting us, by making us fall into sin, by preying on us, attacking us in our area of weakness. We all have weaknesses. Even the strongest Christian has a weakness. And we know, you know how he gets to us? He's a roaring lion. He's opportunistic. He wants to hurt us. He wants to destroy our marriages. Satan didn't attack Adam until he had Eve. Those of you that are married, he's attacking you. The fact that you are together with your wife, it's like you're waging war against him. It goes against everything that he stands for. He stands for division. He wants to divide our families. 
He wants to divide our lives. And so the question that we need to ask today is how can I win over temptation? The first thing that you have to do, you need to anticipate it. Anticipate temptation. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't be shocked by it. Instead, be prepared. See, when, when we're tempted, our reaction usually is we're in shock. How could this be happening to me? I never thought that this would happen again. Or we're frustrated. We start saying, oh, man, I keep falling the same thing over and over again. Or we're discouraged and we start to think I'm never going to change. You need to understand up front that it's not a sin to be tempted. Sin is giving in to temptation, not being tempted. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you know what you can do? You could stop it from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop Satan from bombarding your mind with ideas, but you can decide not to dwell on those ideas. Has this ever happened to you when you're praying, maybe you're serving God, you're doing good stuff, and the devil starts to put thoughts in our mind? You're not that good. Remember what you did this week? Remember what you used to do? Remember who you used to be? And he tries to discourage us. He tries to put the craziest thoughts in our head when we're serving God. It's like what happened to me this week. Pastor Bob, he's like, hey, there's this really good salad place here in Miramar, let's go check it out. I, I love it. I go with Carrie and the kids. And I'm like, all right, let's go check it out. We go. I order my salad. And I'm eating my salad. And Bob's talking to me. But I'm not really he hearing what he's saying. And he's like, hey, Mark, do you like the salad? I'm asking you if you like the salad. You know why I didn't hear him? Because I'm, as I'm eating this Caesar, chicken Caesar salad, I'm thinking about key lime pie. I'm thinking that five blocks from where that salad is is five guys. All right? And that burger is so delicious. You see? Where do those thoughts come from? Where do those thoughts, how do those thoughts enter our head? Satan's trying to intimidate us. He's trying to get us to think, I'm not a good Christian. Maybe, maybe I'm not even a Christian. It's not a sin to be tempted. See, you will never outgrow temptation. You're never going to get to a point in your spiritual life where you can say, nothing bothers me anymore. You're not tempted because it's you. Because sometimes we feel, man, this only happens to me. These things are only happen, happening to me. You know, you know why we're tempted? Because we're human. Welcome to the human race. It's what you do with temptation that makes it wrong. It's what you do with temptation that makes it good or bad. The moment that you're saved, the moment that you give your life to Jesus, Satan's a hit man. He puts a contract out for your life. He's plotting and scheming to destroy you 24 hours a day. He thinks about your downfall more than you do. How am I going to get them to slip? How am I going to get Mark to fall on his face? And the craziest thing is this. If he can't get us to sin, he'll just intimidate us with the thought that we're going to fall. We're living our, our life right. We're staying out of sin. And he intimidates us. Hey, you're going to fall. Remember, you're going to fall. He likes to make us feel guilty, suggesting that we may stumble. He'll come along and say, if you ever got in this situation, you'll be a goner. You'd fall. You'd fumble. You'd deny Christ. You'd reject the whole thing. You'd fall flat on your face. You start to get all uptight. You start to get intimidated. And it hasn't even happened. That is his goal. And what is the antidote? Instead of being shocked, instead of being intimidated, instead of being surprised when the devil puts these thoughts in our mind, we need to be prepared for it. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, in the garden, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. Be prepared. Be watching for it. 
be ready. Don't be surprised. Just know that it's coming. There's two different kinds of thoughts that enter our mind. And when it's God, it's inspiration. It's God inspiring us. And when it's the devil, it's temptation. And we are free to choose what thoughts we're going to dwell on. Some of you are thinking, is temptation a season in my life? No, we're tempted all the time. But let me tell you something. There are moments in our life that we are more prone to fall into sin. There are moments in our life when we are weak. And in those moments, we need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to anticipate it. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. Even if you think you could stand up to temptation, be careful that you don't fall. The second thing that we need to do, we need to accept responsibility for it. Accept responsibility for the temptations that occur in your life. Don't blame God. Don't blame other people. And here, check this out. I'm going to blow some of your minds. Don't blame the devil. The devil made me do it. Mark, but aren't you preaching about the devil? He's a roaring lion. Yeah, but even the devil can't tempt you without your cooperation. James says it in James 1, temptation is the pool of your own. Circle that. Your own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. If you had no internal desire, the devil couldn't tempt you. Remember, he's a roaring lion looking for the weakest prey. He's going to hit you where it hurts. He knows our weaknesses. He knows when we are weak, and that's when he attacks. See, when I was 15 years old, I went on this mission trip that changed my life forever. I mean, I always go back to this in moments of my life. I went to Guatemala for like three weeks, and I remember getting there, and I'm in the airport, and I see this sign that was very familiar. I wanted something that was familiar, and it was a Coca-Cola sign. And so I walked to the Coca-Cola sign. And it was super cool because it had the giant glass bottles. And I'm like, yes, nice and cold. Those are the best. I grab it, and it's hot. All right? Not only is it hot, the guy says, oh, do you want the bottle or do you want me to put it in a bag? And I'm like, no, 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 I'll just take the bottle. Don't worry about it. He goes, no, 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 you can't take the bottle. And I'm like, all right. He goes, so you want me to put it in a bag? I'm like, sure, put the bottle in the bag. I thought he didn't want, want me to walk around with a glass bottle in my hand. I'm 15 years old. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, put it in the bag. And he gets the Coke, and pours it into the bag. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I thought I was insisting so much to take the bottle that he was just going to give me an empty bottle. But then he gets the bag and puts a straw in it and says, here, enjoy your hot Coke in a plastic bag. And that freaked me out. Another thing, a couple days later, the pastor says, hey, we're going to go to the dumpsters to minister to the children. And I thought, we're going to go to the playground. We're going to go to a park to minister to kids, okay? This little kid from America going to this country that I had never been to to minister on a missions trip. And so I'm like, what? And we get to the dumpster, and when the cars pull in, all these children start coming out of everywhere. I have a, a picture. And these kids are abandoned in the dumpsters when they're little kids. And the clothes that they have on is stuff that they found. There's used stuff that people gave them. There was this little girl carrying a doll that was missing a leg, and she was all dirty. And they're coming out to us. All these children, I mean hundreds of little kids living in these dumpsters, and it broke my heart. And I start asking more, like, 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 why is this? And he's explaining that. I'm like, and so what's the outcome? He's like, most of these kids become drug addicts and prostitutes. And, and the drug of choice is that they smell glue. And, and there, here's a picture of a kid smelling glue in the streets of Guatemala in a, in, a, in a bottle. And they put this glue, and this glue does all this stuff to them. And I'm, I, I couldn't understand that. I'm like, glue? And you know what? I'm 35 years old. 
Some of you are shocked. Man, I thought you were like 19. I'm 35 years old. And you know what? The devil's never put a thought in my mind. Mark, why don't you go sniff some glue? He's never said, oh, you're going to love it. But there's other areas that I'm weak, and you know what he does? That's what he puts in my mind. Those are the thoughts that he puts in my mind because he's looking, what are my desires? What are Mark's weaknesses? That's where I'm going to get him. We need to accept responsibility for those desires that we have and stop blaming other people. You know how you spell blame? B-L-A-M-E. Be lame. When we blame people, we're being lame. Stop being lame. Stop blaming other people and other things for your problems. If you're facing temptation right now, you're facing a secret habit, a hang-up, stop fixating on blame and start fixing the problem. Start fixing your eyes on the problem. Surrender that to God and God will come through for you. We need to accept responsibility. You see, what did Adam do? It's the woman that you gave me. What did Eve do? It was the serpent trying to push blame. Blame is as old as temptation is. Accept responsibility. The third thing is ask God for help. You accept responsibility. You ask God for help. God has a 24-hour hotline waiting for you to cry out to him. He said, cry unto me and I will respond. God is ready. It doesn't matter what kind of temptation you're going through. He's not going to say, no kidding. He's not going to say, oh, you've come, you've come for this before. But you know why sometimes we don't ask God to help us when we're tempted? Because we like it. We enjoy it. There's certain sins, certain things in our life that we don't want God. We, we want like, God, look, don't look right now. But I really like this. I know it's wrong. I know it's going to destroy me. I know it's bad. I know it goes against your word, but I like it. Another reason why we don't ask God for help sometimes is because we're embarrassed. We're too embarrassed to come to him. Because we keep doing it over and over again. We keep falling over the same thing again. And we don't want to be like, God, hi, it's me again. You remember that thing? I've come to you like 15 times for it. I'm sorry. You know, my kids, they're two, six, and four years old. And uh, every time they go to the bathroom, all right, I don't know what number it is, one or two, I, I forget. But, you know, when they're done doing their thing, they don't know how to wipe that well. And so they're like, Poppy, I'm finished. And this echoes all around the house. I'm like, why do they always say Poppy? I'm finished. All right. And, and, and so I have to go and, you know, make sure that they're nice and clean and stuff so then they don't get a rash. And I know there's more information that you want. But I told my wife, I'm like, babe, like, when are these kids going to learn how to do their own thing? And she's like, honey, they're just little kids, you know. And it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm tired of, you know, wiping their booty. God's not like me. All right? He's not lazy like me. God doesn't care if you come to him 200 times on the same day for the same thing. If you cry out for help, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. And you know why God wants you to come to him? Because God sent Jesus to the world. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus was tempted in every single way. But he didn't fall into temptation. He didn't sin. He experienced it all. He knows what we're going through. And so he wants us to cry out to him. He wants to help us. I love the way Hebrews 4 puts it. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let us not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through our weaknesses and testing, experienced it all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. And get what he's so ready to give. 
Take the mercy. Accept the help. Accept God's help. Cry out to him and he will respond. The fourth thing that you need to do, and this is a little bit harder, is admit your struggle to a friend. And that doesn't mean like, hey, Pastor Mark, can I borrow the mic? I want to tell everybody what my sin is. No. Don't put it on Facebook either, please. All right? If you're struggling with someone, find someone that you can go to, someone that you can trust. A Christian, very important, a Christian person who fears God, who can pray for you. Check out what James 5 says. Admit your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You want to be set free from that thing? Reach out to someone that cares that can pray for you, that can lift you up. We need to associate ourselves with people that can help us, that will build support, all right, that we can build a support network in the areas of our life where we are weak and reinforce good intentions. See, I heard the story about a pastor who reached out to an Indian chief in the last century, all right? And this Indian chief is telling the pastor about how temptation was working in his life. And he said, it's like two dogs fighting in my head a good dog and a bad dog and the pastor asked the chief he's like which dog wins and this is awesome and the chief said the one that i feed that's the one that wins we need to reinforce good relationships in our life you need to cut off bad relationships there's some people here today you're saying oh but i've been friends with these people since high school since middle school you know they're my friends if these people are causing you to pull away from god If you're trying to reach out to them and they don't want anything to do with God, all they want to do is hang out with you so that you can mess up again, it's time to cut those relationships. If you're trying to get closer to God and there's people in your life that are making you sin, that are bringing temptation into your life, today is the day to walk away and say, hey, no more. I'm not going to allow this person to be in my life again. And look, it's not just me. 1 Corinthians says this, don't be misled. Don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. So this isn't Pastor Mark talking, all right? This isn't something that we talk about in Calvary. This was written thousands of years ago. Bad company corrupts good character. The fifth thing, all right? Avoid tempting situations. Proverbs 14 says this, a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is arrogant and careless. Don't put yourself in a position where you are going to fall into sin. If you have a drinking problem, stop hanging out in the bar. You got a gambling problem, stop hanging out in the casinos. Oh, but Mark, the buffets are so good. I go there for the buffets. Give me a break. All right? If you have a gambling problem, don't go hang out at the Hard Rock every weekend. See, all of you know, I I said it last week. I'm trying to get fit. I'm trying to lose weight. You know where I don't hang out? In Krispy Kreme. All right? I don't hang out in Krispy Kreme. I don't like going by Krispy Kreme. I don't like driving by Krispy Kreme because if I see that, I'm going to convince myself that, man, you know, you should just drive through, you know, eat half a donut, and then just stand at a corner and start passing them out. You know, be a good Christian. And so what happens is that I get in the drive-thru. I'm saying, oh, you're just going to eat one, right? And then I get there, and I'm like, yeah, I just want one glazed donut. They're like, one glazed donut? You can get two boxes for $6.99, 24 donuts. I'm like, okay, yeah, just give that to me. And by the time I get home, like half the box is gone because, you know, those things melt in your mouth when the sign's on. Avoid tempting situations. What is the Krispy Kreme in your life? What is it? 
and stay away from it. Don't even drive down 163rd. All right? Avoid it at all cost. Psalm 119 says this, I thought about the wrong direction in which I was headed and turned around and came running back to you. Wow. What is that direction? Turn around and come back to him. Sixth thing that we need to do, the final thing that we need to do to win over temptation, this is how we win it, is to take hold of the promises of God. Claim the promises that he's given us in his word about temptation and say, God, this is for me. When temptation comes to your life, I want you to memorize this verse. It's your memory verse for the day. On the back of your connection card, just check. Memorize this verse. We'll send you an email. We'll give you some tips on how to memorize scripture. This is how we overcome it. By speaking the word of God into our life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. So that you could stand up under it. If you're being tempted, he's going to provide a way out. Not one time, not sometimes, every single time he's going to do it. He promised it so many times when I bump into people that have fallen away from God. They come to me and they say, oh, but Pastor Mark, you don't understand. If you would have been in the same situation that I was in, you would have fallen too. There is no way that I could have resisted this. It would have happened to anyone. It could have happened to anyone. And, and I feel like saying this. I don't say it, but I feel like saying this. So you're calling God a liar? Because God is promising us that he's going to provide a way out. And we don't, we don't see it. We don't see it and we stop trusting in God. He said he will make a way out. Whatever situation that you're in right now in your life, I want you to know that there is a way out. God says it. He promised it. And there is a way out. So when you're in a difficult moment, when you're about to be tempted, cuando el león te tiene cogido por una pata, when that good-for-nothing lion has you by the leg, you start to take hold of the promises of God and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You declare the promises of God and you take hold of it. And you say that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You say, I am more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. See, these promises are in the Bible for you and for me. These are God's promises for all who love him. For every single one of us, regardless of what you're going through in your life right now. See, the Bible says this, that the thief comes, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So when the devil comes to your life and he's trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy, you speak life into that moment. And you say, I am more than a conqueror. I don't see a way out. But you said there's going to be a way out. You promised me that I will never be tempted beyond something that I can bear. I'm going to ask Pastor Bob and the band to come out. And I want to give you an opportunity today to become a winner in the name of Jesus. You see, because Satan wants you to be a loser. He wants to destroy you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to embarrass you. Because that's the only way that he can get to Jesus. Because the truth is this, is that he lost. Amen. 
He lost on the cross of Calvary. Jesus rose on the third day and got the victory, took hold of the victory. And that victory is yours and it's mine. Now I'm going to invite you to stand up. And we're going to sing this song that I love. It's called Scandal of Grace. It's scandalous. The love that Jesus has for us, it doesn't make sense in our human mind because we failed him time and time again. We've all done it. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done it. And the shame comes in. But what's awesome is that there's this scandal. It's called grace. And he wants us to embrace that today. He wants us to become winners in the name of Jesus. And you may be going through a hardship right now in your life. You may feel like that lion's got you by the leg. But let me tell you something. That can stop right now. Maybe you're here today and you're far from God. You've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus. And you want to embrace that life, that winning life. Today I want to invite you just to come forward. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today, I just want to invite you to come here and I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you're here with a friend that needs Jesus, that's far from Jesus. And you brought them to church and you want to say, hey, you know what, can, can, can we go up together? You're here with your wife and your husband, with your children. The devil hates unity and he's trying to divide your home. Maybe you're a Christian and there's certain sin that's entered into your life. There's temptation into your life. There's weaknesses. And you want to make sure that he doesn't destroy the promises of God on your life. I want to invite you to come forward as we worship. And I want to pray with you. And the winning will start right now. The winning will start right now. We don't have to wait for tomorrow because God wants to set you free today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And so if you're here as we worship, I want to invite you to come forward. Maybe you're a Christian and there's an area of weakness in your life that you don't have victory over today. Take hold of that victory in the name of Jesus and come forward. I want to pray for you. I want to agree with you so that you can embrace and take hold of that weakness. Praise the Lord. And there's more. Oh, there's more. And I believe it. God wants to set us free. We're going to end this series on the road from here to there. We are there today. We are there today. Come. We are there. Today is there. Today is there in your life. Stop living in that bondage. Stop living in that bondage. Accept the freedom that Jesus has for you today. Right now, we talked about how he enters our thoughts. There's some of you that are fighting those thoughts right now. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that you're free and the devil is a liar and those are lies. And come forward and embrace that freedom right now. Don't believe those lies. Amen. Don't believe those lies. You're wrestling. You know what? Just grab whoever's next to you, even if you don't know them, and come over here and say, hey, support me. You're my brother. You're my sister. I need you. Come up with me. Maybe you're in the parent-child room. I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come and embrace that freedom. Today is there. The road from here to there is right now. In the name of Jesus, we're going to worship and we're going to cry out, say, oh, to be like you.
to give all I have, all this junk that I have, all this sin in my life, I give it up just to know you. In Jesus' name, let's worship him with everything that we got and keep coming up. Today is there. Amen. Pastor Bob.